Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chaudhry and can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 74, we have a special guest, Dennis Consorte. In this episode, we'll discuss with Dennis the topic of future-proofing yourself. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on our podcast. Let's dive in. Hi, Dennis. Thank you so much for coming to the show and taking the time out for me and my audience. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Russell? Yeah, doing great. Super excited for the show. And yeah, get to know more about you, your journey, and also the topic of today's podcast, which is like future-proofing yourself. So I know you talked about that on our, before when we spoke from the beginning of the first time. So yeah, before we jump into like a topic, I want to know more about your journey. Also, my audience will be interested to know who Dennis is, why he got started with the entrepreneurship. And yeah, so what made you actually become an entrepreneur and starting your own business? It's a really long story. I'll try to sh- tell you the really short version of it. <laughs> so <laughs> when I went to college, I started out studying computer science and I did that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I had some family things going on and I had to come home for a year. I took a year off from school, almost didn't go back. Right. And when I went back to school, I studied psychology and that's what my degree is. And because I, I just, I was going through some things and I wanted to have a better idea of what that meant. Yeah. When I got my bachelor's degree, in order to do well with studying psychology, you really have to move on and get your doctorate. Mm -hmm. But I had a ton of debt and I wasn't really sure if that was the path I wanted to take in life. So I didn't go back to school for that. Instead, I went straight to work. I tempted a bunch of companies and moved around a bit. And eventually I had a full-time job somewhere where I was uh, an administrative worker which meant I was typing papers, answering phones, creating contracts, these kinds of things. And I realized it wasn't my calling in life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at the same time, one of my friends got laid off from his job at an investment bank. Right. So we sat down and a couple of beers later, we're like, you know what, let's do uh, a niche version of Netflix because at the time this was in the early 2000s yeah. Netflix was just reaching its its tipping point and so we said well we could do that model so let's do it and so we started a company mm-hmm. and I took all of what I had learned through yeah. computer science in order to develop a website build a database all that stuff and uh, we built our company and within two years we were able to sell it to another company uh, i then worked for them for a couple of years right. and long story short i realized that i could take these skills and instead of working on one business i could work yeah. on many and help many people with their companies and so that's how i uh, sort of began my journey towards having a digital marketing agency which is what i do today yeah yeah, that's interesting. And how, how long ago you started your digital marketing agency? Oh, that's a complicated answer because it had it had some starts along yeah. the way. Uh, what I would say is maybe about, if I had to guess, uh, maybe about like 12 years ago, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, where I really started pursuing that model. Right. Uh, and... And what I would also say is that I had a restart 
meaning maybe like five years ago, plus or minus, uh, I went through burnout. And what that means is at the time, I grew my agency too fast. I had too many clients. I was doing private label work for several other agencies in addition to serving my own clients. Mm -hmm. And of course, as you know, when you do work for other people, they expect their stuff to be at the top of the list. Yeah. In addition, uh, I didn't really have the right leadership skills at the time. And what that meant was I still felt like I needed to have ownership of all of the client accounts instead of giving ownership to people on my team. Yeah. And so if you can imagine, my phone rang off the hook every day. I was touching 40, 50 accounts at once. And that is not sustainable, not for one yeah. person. You need to be able to branch out and delegate and trust that other people can, can handle each of these accounts. Yeah. And it just overwhelmed me. It was too much. And so I shut the whole thing down. And I took more or less about two years off just to get my head right Mm -hmm. and to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And what I realized during that time was, you know what, what really happened is I lost my sense of purpose because I was busy trying to just make the cash register ring all the time so that I could pay my bills, pay my overhead, pay my people. And then I would bring more clients to to pay that again, but then that would create more expenses and and it just kept churning. Yeah. And so I realized, okay, if I'm going to do this right, I really need to find myself and figure out uh, what inspires me because look, we spend, most people spend most of their waking hours at work. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, you need to make sure that it's something that feels meaningful to you, mm. so that when you when you do the work, you actually get much more value out of it than just the dollars you earn. Yeah. And so what I realized was, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to specialize on the kinds of companies that bring me joy yeah. so that when I work on their stuff, it doesn't really feel like work. And so what that means is that I turn away a lot of business. Um, but the stuff that I take on uh, really matters to me. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Yeah, sure. So one of my clients is uh, actually a few of my clients are health and wellness companies. One in particular, I spend a lot of time on, and then I have other ones that I work on also. Yeah. And so that is especially meaningful for me because I know I went through this entrepreneurial burnout. I had a lot of problems, put on a bunch of weight and still in my journey of trying to take that weight (laughs) off and get back in shape. And so I know that the work that I do for them matters because it helps other people who are going through a lot of similar things that, that I went through. And so that, that really matters to me. And I'll give you one other example. I have a client who, um, sells and installs awnings and pergolas, right? So these are structures that for example you could put on your house and also you can attach to a restaurant or some other business so if you think about what we have gone through over the last couple of years with these lockdowns yeah so many small businesses had to shut their doors because they couldn't survive because people weren't going to these small businesses. They weren't dining in these restaurants. And then you have uh, a lot of places where 
when they did finally open up, they said, okay, you can open your restaurant, but only at yeah. 25% capacity or 50% capacity. So with the idea of being able to install these awnings and pergolas, what that meant was we were creating outdoor space for all of these businesses, which meant they could serve more customers, yeah. which meant they could stay in business. And all of the people who were going through social isolation because of these lockdowns, they had an outlet. They were able to engage in some way in some social setting. And that really mattered to me. So yeah. those are just examples of the kinds of clients I take on. And it's really the opposite of the process that a lot of agencies do where they're out there trying to hunt down every client they can bring in. I'm the mm. opposite. I'm like, okay, let's see if we're a match. And yeah. that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, that's great. Like uh, you've found a problem you're having through your business journey and decided to make a change and shift. And a lot of people don't do that. They don't step back. They think like, oh, if I do, like uh, I'm going to get bankrupt or things going to have worse or why I started, I'm going to go back to zero. But you made that leap and you took like a break for two years. So when you took that break for two years, is it like an uncertainty and like a fear crippled you or like uh, you knew like you needed to break? In the beginning, it was uh, a sense of being overwhelmed. I really was burnt out mm -hmm. and I just needed to clear my head. And that took a long time to do. And yeah. if you can imagine all the stuff that somebody goes through, it, it picture you have this vision for your future. You're going to be very successful in this industry or this job yeah. or whatever. And then it doesn't work out. Imagine how that feels. It's, it can be devastating for many people. Mm -hmm. And some people are struggling with that while they're still working, in fact. And then it gets in the way and they're depressed and uh, angry and all of these things. And I had all of those feelings. So it, it took some time to get over that. And eventually, uh, a few things happened along the way that, that helped me move past that point. And I'll give you a few examples. One example was um, there was, uh, and I'm not going to speak politically, but I have yeah. to share a story which will help you understand yeah, what sure. I want. So uh, there was a an election in my state in New York, yeah, and there was a candidate who I wanted to help out because I believed in the things that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I joined his campaign and I worked on the campaign and that started to make me feel my sense of purpose again, because the work I was doing was meaningful, even though yeah. I wasn't getting paid anything for it. It was volunteer work, yeah. uh, but it mattered because I knew that if I made, if I did a good job, I would make impact in my state, which could change people's lives. And I said, you know what, there's something here. Maybe, maybe this is the mindset I need for the clients I take on. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. Uh, another thing that happened during that time was the health and wellness company that I had mentioned. Uh, they became one of my clients. Eventually I was like, okay, I need to get back to work. What can I do? Mm -hmm. This sounds like something that I can do that, that is actually meaningful. Yeah. And so I took them on as a client. Uh, they were probably my, maybe my second client, actual paying client when I started getting back into the groove of things. The first yeah. was uh, actually through some people who were connected 
to these guys in a different way. It was a different project. Yeah. And, and I said, okay, let me work on this health and wellness project. And, and that's where I really started to regain my sense of purpose where I said, yeah, you know what, this feels right. I'm doing stuff that matters. It, it feels like I can help people besides just helping my clients grow their business. Yeah. I can help their customers. And, um, and I'd say that's how I really moved out of it. There were some other things too. Uh, for example, I did some work at a, um, a technical training center mm -hmm. for kids. I call them kids. They were like 20 year olds, <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were people who fit into one of two categories. Either they were aging out of foster care, mm -hmm. which means that uh, in the, in the U S if you're in foster care, your chances of success afterwards are very low. Many right. of these kids end up committing suicide, going to prison, getting killed. All these wow. things happen because they don't have these stable family structures that, that put yeah. them on the right path. And so that was part of, part of this group of kids. And the other part were people who took my course as alternative sentencing for crimes that they committed. Mm -hmm. So in other words, a judge said, okay, instead of going to prison, you can take one of these courses and learn some skills and then maybe reboot your life. And so the, the course that I taught was a technology course where you could learn uh, some server stuff, some coding, all the computer science stuff that I had learned many years ago and gave yeah. up on. I was able to sort of uh, pay that forward to, to these young people to give them a shot. And it didn't work with everybody, but I'd say maybe like 30% of the class was engaged. The rest were just there because look, this is better than prison. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it felt good knowing that that 30%, maybe they had a better shot at life. Maybe they had a chance and they at least had more choices in life. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that was uh, that mattered to me, too. And uh, so these are the kinds of things that I feel like other people can think about also, meaning mm. think about what matters to you. And if it feels good to you to help other people, then then do it. Yeah. And if you make money doing that, even better. Right. Do well by doing good. That's that's something that I, I think everybody can consider. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. That's why I started the podcast. So you're just like purely helping people inspire with our stories, like my stories, your stories. And we're bringing our guests like a different kind of background, different kind of uh, situation they've been through. So it just even though one pe person's life can change, that's like all matters, right? So it's not about money all the time. It's about the purpose and helping each other's in way to grow at the same time. So when it was like a burnout, like what did you actually do? Like coming out of the burnout, like that two years break, what do you actually did that time? And a lot of entrepreneurs listening, they could get help from it. A lot of introspection. So I would say the beginning period was very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of time going down these internet rabbit holes, yeah. looking through all of these crazy things uh because i 
I, I was lost yeah. and it, it took some time to get out of it. And I'm very thankful that I was able to get out of that hole. What I realized was I needed to start developing some healthy habits to replace those very bad habits. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, I started getting into stoicism, uh, not not where you're this unfeeling person, not the modern definition of stoicism, yeah. but really just understanding the world as it is and figuring out how to cope with that world and understanding what is in your control and out of your control and focusing on those things that you actually have control over instead of worrying about all the stuff that you have no control over. Yeah. So I started developing that mindset. I started meditating on a daily basis, started exercising more. Um, and these were things that, that helped me just get my mind right, because that is the most important thing. Before you figure out what to do, you really just have to get your head right. You yeah. have to be in a healthy place uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, all these things so that you can move forward and, uh, and just have the right mentality in order to succeed at whatever it is you choose to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Like, uh, coming out from burnout, it's, it's not easy, like, having a break and do what you do and finding a purpose again it's not easy for like most people uh, which we agree uh, that's a great job like to be honest so coming to our topic which today is like future proofing yourself so when you talk about future proofing yourself what does it actually mean so the first thing i would say is there is no such thing as being future proof yeah. But it is the best terminology that we have today. It's what people understand. Mm -hmm. What we're really talking about is a lot of jobs, a lot of careers are going to go extinct. They're going to be yeah. automated. And if you look at the most basic level, let's say you go to the supermarket, how many people are cashiers versus how many people choose to do self-checkout? Yeah. Right. Self-checkout is growing because you don't need people to push buttons, right? People need, can do other things that computers can't do. God, yeah. What I would also say is that you can look at using that example, you can look at the trajectory of the checkout experience, meaning yeah. that we are actually moving towards frictionless checkout. So if you look at these Amazon go stores, mm -hmm. for example, you walk in and there's, 50 cameras pointed at you from every direction. <laughs> there are scales under the shelves so that when you pick stuff up off the shelf, a sensor tracks it. The cameras see that you picked it up, you put it in your bag, and it's tracking you from the moment you walk in the store to the moment you walk out. Yeah. And what that means is you don't even need to do self-checkout. You just walk in, grab and go, and that's it. And that is the future of retail commerce. Mm -hmm. So thinking about future proofing yourself look at that trajectory and apply it to every industry yeah. and think about okay what isn't going to be automated in the very near future and do that and what i would say is that most things are moving in the direction of automation yeah. uh, machine learning algorithms are getting better every day uh, which is amazing i i really enjoy this stuff and we have to recognize what it means in terms of employment what i would say is that computers are still not 
anywhere near as, in my opinion, as good at creative tasks as humans. Mm -hmm. Human beings understand things on an emotional level. Computers yeah. don't have that. They're all about statistical models. You put yeah. in a bunch of inputs, you have this black box, it figures out what the outputs are, and that's machine learning. What I'm talking about is improving your uh, emotional intelligence and applying that to what you do for a living. That's something that we're very far from realizing in terms of machine learning algorithms. Yeah. So if you can figure out how to apply that very human quality to the work you do, then you've got a shot. So now let's say you're a, I'm just making this up. Let's say you're a coder and you're, you're writing a machine learning algorithm. Okay. Think about how you can apply your emotional intelligence to the algorithm you create. Now that's something, mm -hmm. right? Or let's say you're a designer. Yeah. So you've got, You've got two kinds of designers. Let's say one is automated, right? It's a machine learning algorithm and the other is a human being. So what does the algorithm do? It takes all the inputs. Okay, what are all of the designs that people respond to in a positive way, right? That's your inputs. And then it's yeah. gonna spell out, okay, this is what is likely to resonate with people. And that works very well. But now imagine you're a human being trying to solve that same problem. And you say, okay, the algorithm's telling me this is the right output, but what if we tested this other thing because I'm more in tune emotionally with uh, what's going on in culture, for example, yeah. how can I apply that to the designs I create? And if you do that, maybe you've got a shot in competing with the machines. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one more thought, and that is think about the human experience. So let's say, for example, you have a choice as a consumer. You can either uh, use a machine that cuts your hair, right? You put, uh -huh. let's, let's say you put this helmet on yeah. and it cuts your hair and, and you take it off and your hair is perfect, right? That's one experience. You get the outcome that you want. But now think about the human experience. You go to the barber or the hairdresser, they're cutting your hair, they're having a conversation with you. Yeah. You're engaging with them on an emotional level. See, much different experience, same outcome, but much different experience for the user. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about cutting hair or something like that, think about how you can apply those human qualities to what you do so that the experience is much more valuable than the experience with a machine. Yeah, just well said. I never thought about like a machine gonna cut our hair, you know. <laughs> and that's a great idea. Like those listening entrepreneurs, like they can tap into the market, right? Uh, yeah, so many things going for a machine right now. It's just, uh, to be honest, incredible. And same time, scary at the same time as well. Those who's not adapting on the situation and not focusing on the future, like they're gonna struggle. I see like a lot of family members, friends, family, they're still on the same place like where 20 years back like the kind of jobs market they're in and they refuse to say like oh job going to go and learning new skills right so there is a plenty of jobs like on technology like if you want to there is plenty of things you can do like your small business you don't really have to have like a team you can be one man show with your computer laptop or even though your smartphone and even business but we oftentimes we don't want to make the change we are thinking oh no the 
whole technical stuff is too much for me. I don't have the time to understand. Uh, I don't have the time to learning and everything. So those who's like still thinking, things not gonna be in a futuristic way. Like we already we are seeing it. Like you mentioned the Amazon uh, Go stores is already one in London. It's still not here in Manchester, but it's already in London. Probably next year they're gonna come in Manchester as well. So they're gonna be everywhere. And like a big brands like a Walmart as the Tesco, like we have retailers, they're gonna follow their footstep as well. So we can't really hide from that. And even though you mentioned like a, in a retail store, there is a checkout, there is not many people in the cashier desk. And for example, in the bank as well. So in the bank is to be like a people working in customer service. Right now in my local bank is one or two people there. And last time I visited the bank about two years back, something went wrong rather than everything, all transaction, everything's happening online and we don't really need to go into it. So those who's listening or those people are still on the fence of thinking not, everyone, not everything's going to go on technology-wise, not everything's going to go online. There will be like a job and no one can suck us for the job. Like this industry knows going to go instinct, but majority of the industries are going up out of business, like a taxi industry, like Uber there right now. But now Tesla is thinking like I have taxis like without driver and driverless, buses driverless driving, lorries, you don't really need drivers. So this kind of future is coming. So how we can adapt on the future and how we can have like open-minded approach on learning new skills, looking at things and acknowledge new things as well. I think this goes back to what I was talking about yeah. in the beginning, this, this stoic mindset, mm-hmm. understanding the world as it is and realizing that there are some things out of your control and some things that are in your control. Yeah. So this is reality. The reality is that we are moving in this direction of automation that is completely out of most individuals control. Yeah. So fighting it isn't going to solve anything because it's going to happen at best maybe you can delay it you need to think about what's in your control and what's in your control is learning new skills and paying attention to what's happening in the market so that you can realize where you need to be and i'll give you an example we've all seen this news about meta yeah but change their name and they're moving this direction of exploring the metaverse. What does that mean? We're talking about augmented reality, virtual reality. So now think about, okay, what would life be in 10 years, in 20 years when the metaverse is really blossoming? Yeah. And if you can imagine, think about e-commerce the way it was even 10, 15 years ago. It was all about, okay, how do we recreate the retail experience on a two-dimensional screen? Mm -hmm. And so what that meant was, all right, maybe we need to, if we're talking about apparel, we want to be able to zoom into the product so that you can see the texture of the cloth. You want to have swatches that you get a really good sense of the, the color of the material, those kinds of things. Now look at the metaverse where you are immersed in a three-dimensional space, either through augmented reality or virtual reality. Let's take the VR experience as an example. Imagine, and this is where people need to be if you're in the e-commerce industry, by the way. 
imagine you're creating an in-store retail experience in the metaverse. People put on their goggles and all of a sudden they're in your store. They're pulling items off of the shelves. They're opening up clothing. They're playing with devices. They're doing all of these things in the metaverse. Yeah. So if you want to future-proof yourself, if you can get into that industry, it's still new enough that you can really make impact as a career path or as a as an agency who specializes in this space. So think about who the biggest retailers are. Why wouldn't they be looking at this right now? You could possibly approach a company like Amazon or Walmart or some of the smaller businesses yeah. and say, look, here's how you can get an edge over the competition. This may not translate into sales today, mm -hmm. but if you invest in this technology today, then when it does hit its tipping point and everybody's in the metaverse and that's going to happen, yeah, you will be right there and you're going to make it. And same thing, if you're a small business owner, think about what you could do in this space for your business to really make it stand out. And this becomes very press worthy. So let's imagine you're a small business, but let's say you're a hardware store and you're selling yeah. nails, screws, tools, that kind of stuff. Imagine you're a hardware store and you invest in this technology. You're just a little mom and pop shop. You've got one store location, mm -hmm. but you invest in this technology and then you reach out to the media and you say, look what I've done. I've got this really cool stuff that that Lowe's and Home Depot aren't even thinking about today. Yeah. Imagine what that can do for your small business. Now, all of a sudden, people are talking about you. Now, now maybe you have an opportunity to franchise or to go to partner with other people or to sell your technology to a bigger company. These are all things you can do. So it really comes down to just paying attention and looking at what is on the horizon and what's going to happen in the future, which is out of our control and figure out how you can make the best of that situation. Yeah, and a lot of information available right now in Google, YouTube and things like that. Also, like so many, so many gurus out there and they willing to teach you them stuff like you don't really have to go to university for three years or four years. You can spend thousand dollars, two thousand dollars and people can teach you them stuff like internet marketing, online marketing could be like a new things vr ar is so many things coming up there will be like a lot of coaches and consultants on that as well who can guide you through and help you through like even though you don't have the time so there is no kind of excuses like uh, i'm not gonna do it or something you can hire someone as well who specialize on that and you can they can perform behalf of your company so th there is a, like a, so much to it so when are you thinking like a, a metaverse going to be live uh, are they announced in us it's live. It's been live for a while uh, in terms right. of a, a tipping point. I think we've still got some time. Mm -hmm. Let's say maybe the next five or 10 years, I think it's really going to grow. Uh, but Oculus has been around for several years. I, I yeah. have one. It's a cool device. And so it's really just taking this platform that already exists and figuring out how to apply it to different use cases. That's really what we're talking about with the metaverse. Yeah. So it's already here. It's just a question of when people realize that this is the, the new platform that people are gonna be on beyond the internet. Yeah. 
and probably like a big, big company is gonna they create their universe as well, like a Google universe or or something like that. You know, like a big giant Apple company. There is Amazon. There is always going to be like a new new companies and going through and with the metaverse as well as well. Like they creating a globes so you can touch and feel like uh, actually when you in the VR like a uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you can experience this cold winter, summer time, same time. It's like creating like a, you know animated movie, like where we watch like a cartoon version of it. Uh, the movie called Guy. He actually in the like universe of the cartoon world, and is everything is fake. So it's like a kind of similar to the, this situation. So what we used to imagine, and this things come coming to in a reality. So yeah, we have to believe in that system, and there is nothing like we can run away from. Like if you live to this universe, you have to adapt the changes going to happen, and which, like you mentioned, we can't control over it. Only thing we can do is in being adapting and learning from the new skills, right? Yeah, and I think the other piece of it is there's going to be a lot of fear around these new technologies. Yeah. And that's nothing new. We could even yeah. look back at the days when the cotton gin was invented. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, people were picking cotton in the fields. You had, I mean, that's how people spent their time. And then this machine came and, and eliminated all of that. In some, in some ways, that's a, that was a very good thing. Yeah. Uh, in other ways, people were afraid because they didn't know what that meant. And there was a period of time where people couldn't do the kind of work they were accustomed to. But eventually, most people adapted and figured out how to survive into the future. And the same thing is going to happen with the metaverse. There's going to be a period of time and with automation and future-proofing ourselves and all of that, there's going to be a period of time where a lot of people are lost and that's going to feel really scary. And the most important thing is, number one, figure out your own path forward so that you are not lost. And number two, see if you can help other people find that path also. Mm -hmm. What I would say is that it will create another industry people you mentioned coaches so now one of the the um one of the scary futures that people envision is like this movie wally where everybody's sitting on they're sitting on a chair they're just you know drinking slurpees and and they're they're plugged into this uh virtual reality and they're not paying attention to their physical world and their physical lives and their physical bodies because they're so attuned to their avatar in this virtual space. Yeah. What that means is that there's going to be an industry of coaches, of therapists, of people. This is going to blossom because people are going to need that help to realize, you know what, my physical life matters. Mm-hmm. And if I lose touch with my physical life because I spend all of my time in the metaverse, I'm going to need somebody to help bring me back to reality. Um, somebody to help me become healthier in the physical world and all of these things. I think there's going to be a tremendous need for that. And we already see it today. Think about how much time most people spend on the internet. We all, almost everybody carries a mobile with them everywhere they go to the point that many people can't even move from one room to another room in their home without without, carrying, their, phone. Yeah. without their phone can't do it <laughs> yeah. so 
I would look at that space also, again, thinking about what you can do for human beings that maybe a machine isn't going to be as good at. Mm-hmm. And like with your point of view, like which industry do you think like going out of business in the next five years or 10 years, like they're in a high risk? It's a good question. Uh, I would say that anything that is repetitious is going to be the first to go. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, anything to do with manufacturing, that's, uh, that's already been automated yeah. significantly over many decades. There's yeah. going to be more of that. Um, anything that uh, can be solved as a statistical outcome, uh, that's going away too. Um, so if you, let me see if I can explain this right. Let me let me switch back to what's not going away because that that'll yeah. maybe help think about what is going away. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, <laughs> so so what's not going away is going to be really creative stuff. Mm-hmm. So for example, let's say you're a writer. If you yeah. can write books, uh, I think we're still very far from an AI being able to write content that people actually enjoy. There there are some models out there that are exploring this, like creating AI-driven marketing content, right? But it's very neat, very small. But writing a full-length novel, that really requires a human being today. Yeah. Um, But if you look at that model and you think about, okay, what are the automated parts of that, right? Creating the physical book, Mm -hmm. that's going away. Machines can do that part um the marketing of that book figuring out where you're promoting the book into which audiences that's going to change significantly i saw that change years ago with what i do as a digital marketer where back in the day ppc was a very different model and it was all about okay if you're a a google adwords manager you're adjusting bids up and down Mm -hmm. you're creating campaigns you're picking audiences all of that and today so much of that is already automated and so the value you bring as a ppc manager is understanding how to work with the existing automation so that you can really bring value in terms of the high level decisions that you make for your clients. Yeah. Well, now the decision-making part of that could be going away. So you have to think about what's next. Um, What I do think is going to happen is people are going to be uh, spending more of their time on higher level tasks, Mm -hmm. right? So all of the doing stuff that's going away, but in terms of making decisions, there's going to be more of that because as a human being, you can make decisions based on your emotional intelligence and your cultural awareness that maybe a machine isn't going to be as good at. Uh, So really it comes down to anything that uh, it it can be repetitious or anything that um, doesn't involve high level decisions where you can just plug it into a statistical model. All that stuff is going to change significantly. Yeah, interesting. So there will be like a safe job, like where we can control the machines and everything. So like managing decision making and things like that. So it could be like an entrepreneur or managerial position in certain companies, even though it's a metaverse and getting a job in a Facebook that could be required to like maintaining the whole system. 
from hackers and things like that or like uh, yeah. customer support and things that cannot be like done by automatically right yeah and you know what else i would say is that there's going to be a huge growth spurt in the repair industry mm -hmm. okay so the machines are going to be doing the work but yeah. sometimes those machines break down right sometimes the software breaks down you can think about that yeah. as a form of repair also yeah so being able to maintain these machines as kind of what you're describing right if you're a technician who can fix the robots or mm -hmm. you're a coder who can improve the code or solve for a, a new problem that's discovered yeah that's a really good place to be yeah absolutely and totally agree with you so yeah dennis we are running out of time for this podcast it was great like listening from you and talking the topic so those who's listening, if they want to reach out to you, learn more about you, how they can find you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you two things. Number one, you can find me on LinkedIn, just Dennis, two N's, Consorte, C-O-N-S-O-R-T-E. Connect with me on LinkedIn as long as you're not trying to mm -hmm. uh, sell me something in the first message, I'll connect back with you. And then number two, if you're a small business owner, uh, check out my YouTube channel called Snackable Solutions where business owners, small businesses can exchange little tips to improve one another's businesses. So yep. imagine a video, it's like one, two, three minutes. And if you follow all the steps in the video, you can make your business a tiny bit better. And so if you follow each of these courses, and they're very short, just between one and five minutes, you do what they tell you to do, you'll improve your business and also improve your mindset. So linkedin or snackable solutions yeah that's great thank you so much so thank you so much for coming to the show and sharing your knowledge with the audience i really appreciate it so uh, good luck with your business and obviously your life and also it's thanksgiving tomorrow and christmas is along the way so hope you enjoy your holidays as well and uh, thanks again yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun and enjoy your holidays too. Uh, I I believe that we all have lots to be thankful for. So yeah. let's look forward to the new year. Thank you, Dennis. So thank you guys uh, for listening. So this is a wrap. I'm going to talk to you soon. So take care, stay safe. Thanks.